everybody. My name is John Murphy. Welcome to another edition of On the Home Front here. We're live on the radio at WILI AM 1400 and 95.3 on the FM. But we're also being video recorded for YouTube. The radio station WILI has a YouTube channel where the programs that air between 5 and 6 on the weekdays, like our show on the home front, are available 24-7 on YouTube. So if you miss the show, it's all there for you all the time. The whole idea of this little network is to give our guests time to reach out to more people with information for you and for them to help to make the uh, perhaps legislators more aware of what they do behind the scenes. Your voters, your taxpayers, you're part of helping people make better lives. Well, this is about those people who deliver services to make that happen. And that's where this particular subject is our opening theme today with the uh, Wyndham Regional Community Council. And then later on, we're going to talk about live music in Connecticut. And this time, we're going to look at the northeast corner with the Stomping Ground, a very nice club in Putnam. And we'll close out later with the Ashford Arts Council. So we'll get right into it today to watch our clock. I'm very happy to have Jeff Beadle back in the studio to continue our conversation about WRCC. And we also have Don McQuaid. She's uh, the, childhood, uh, the Early Childhood Program Director at WRCC. And Jeff is the Executive Director. Thank you both for being here today. It's a pleasure. Thank Thanks for having me back. All righty. So our segment today is going to focus on the program that Don is working on. And Jeff wants to add a little history to it and some history about some of the projects here that have been around for a long time. And they're still providing everyday services right now. So that's our launching pad. Thank you very much, John. Sure. Um, Don is the manager. Uh, Don McQuaid is the manager of our programs, two sites. Um, I'm going to give just a brief snippet on the history as to how the agency got engaged in providing quality, uh, affordable childcare. So we used to at one time run a community center in Wyndham Heights. That's right. 1,200-unit complex just up north of here. And um, we did a needs assessment, and it was determined that what was vitally needed was another opportunity, a venue, to provide quality childhood education. So uh, we put together a proposal, brought it to our senator, Senator Kevin Johnson mm -hmm. at that time, mm -hmm. and asked for what is called bonding money for, for construction. So one afternoon, I am sitting in the old days when you didn't have a cell phone, back in 1990, and I received a phone call uh, from Kevin Johnson, Senator Johnson, and he goes, I want, I want to put somebody on the phone with you. And I go, yes, please, proceed. And he goes, and, and the gentleman goes, hello, Jeffrey, how are you? And I go, fine, and to whom am I speaking? And he goes, this is Governor Bill O'Neill, and I want oh, you to right. know we're going to go ahead and we're going to give you that 791000 to build this daycare building. Congratulations. In, 19, in 1990. In, yeah. So we built it out of brick, uh, like the rest uh, mm -hmm. of, of the center. But there was one glitch. Um, at that time, there was a, a, a terrible uh, budget problem, mm -hmm. deficit in the state. So we built the building, but there was no money to operate it. Uh -huh. Zero in the budget. Met with the commissioner, social services at the time. No, we don't have the money. So I had to go to the legislature, and I need to say that 
I reached out to then State Representative Representative uh, Jonathan Pelto. From Mansfield. From Mansfield. That's right. They were doing the annual budget, and he goes, I'll take care of it. And he said, okay. Um, they're famous for creating a budget at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 a.m. And what used to happen was what they called rats. It, which was somebody snuck something into the 1,000 pages of the budget. In the last couple of in days. The last, and nobody reads it, and the budget passes. Yeah. I, in this case, I'm going to call it a mouse, because that created the funding for yeah. us to open. Otherwise, we had this brand-new, mm -hmm. beautiful building with no money to operate. So right. since then, uh, back in 2008, was it 2008 mm -hmm. that uh, we brought Dawn on board as we also uh, took over management of the site at Valley Street, also in Willimannock. And so with that little bit of a backdrop, I'd, I'd like to turn it over mm -hmm. to Dawn to talk a little bit about right. our programming. Right. So we are NIAC accredited. At, we just went through NIAC accreditation, which is the National Association for the Education of Young Children through D.C., that was a, a tremendous um, process. Congratulations. So, so thank that, you. So that certification enables things to happen. Yes. Correct. For funding. Exactly. Um, very good steps. It's right. a state requirement. Right. So yeah. we are NIAC accredited for five years. Um, we also are very excited to let families know that we were able to secure a grant through COVID for over $250,000 um, for the state-of-the-art new playground at Valley Street. Oh, yeah, please. Show and tell. <laughs> Show and tell. We're working on the For budget. TV audience. That's right. There Television. Come closer to the camera yeah. here. We'll have Matthew zoom in here. Let's go all the way. There you go. It looks lovely. There you go. Is that good with the glare? Yeah, yeah oh. that's perfect. Okay. Hopefully nobody at home is getting sick right now. It's okay. We're holding steady. Steady waters. Take so, two aspirin, call us in the morning. <laughs> That's it. So we're very proud of that playground. Um, we, we all know of the social-emotional needs of young children um, during COVID and oh, especially yeah. um, getting outdoors. And so it was a That's nice... That's still going on. That's still a big struggle. Correct. Right. So um, yeah. we are currently looking for preschool teachers and infant-toddler teachers because we do service infants and toddlers in this area. And we are currently have open enrollment as well. So if anybody wants to call at 860-456-4848 um, and come stop by, get a tour, um, and um, submit an application to be put on the wait list. Yeah. Well, let me take a second to give a website so you can follow up on this series. We're going to have Jeff back with other providers in the months ahead. But the website is a good base for all the information you need. WRCC, Inc. WRCC, Wyndham Regional Community Council, Inc. Incorporated. Uh, dot org, okay? And the programs are at 478 Valley Street and 212 Jeffrey Street. Uh, people are talking about a labor shortage a lot in, in certain kinds of deliveries. How can people best position themselves or get themselves qualified? Things that they may not realize are actually helpful, that are valuable that they may not realize would help. Right. How can people get more involved if they want to participate when these opportunities are happening now? Right. You want to answer first? You, I'll let you take it. Um, well, as far as the staffing shortage for teachers, yeah. what we're requiring is just basic 12 credits in early childhood. 
or CDA. And those you can get online. You can, you know, enroll right away to a uh, community college, and the tuition is free at this point. So that would be a great opportunity for families and moms that are looking for um, a job that has the same schedule as their um, children in public schools. The hours work really well. So it's a nice, you know, way to jump in if you're... All right. So let me ask you this now. Thanks to that wonderful grant from many years ago, you've created this space in which many kinds of things happen. Could you kind of run down the kind of interactions and programs that might happen with folks who are there and what they do mm -hmm. to help them on the way to get ready for school uh, at least the best they can be right right um, we have a full curriculum so we provide a full curriculum so they're ready for school readiness by kindergarten um, we serve three meals a day and we get reimbursed for those meals mm -hmm. and we also have um, lots of community collaborations with um, jumpstart and the local colleges here in town so that works out really well as well to have on um, extra um, resources available. And another strategy in terms of employment, because this is, it's a nationwide problem. Yes, it's it quite is. acute in the state of Connecticut, the labor shortage. And we can only offer as much in, a, in salaries as uh, we are reimbursed from the state of Connecticut. So um, right now, having read it, um, in a number of newspapers lately, there is uh, going to be a legislative initiative uh, by the Connecticut Assembly, both the House and the Senate, to increase the fees for uh, reimbursement to the various centers across the state who provide this. Um, if we were able to receive that, and I don't, we were discussing this earlier, I don't believe there's been a rate increase in 10 to 15 years. Albeit, there have been some short-term funding solutions, right. which we embraced and we were very thankful for. Sure. But in order to uh, uh, provide a decent living wage, you know, we've, we've got to have increased uh, investment by uh, the state of Connecticut, our current right. governor, uh, mm -hmm. and the sitting legislature. Well, for you know whatever fickle finger of fate it is, at this particular time, the legislatures, they have resources available now that sometimes they don't. So now it's always a quibble over, well, who gets the benefits that are now available? And then you figure out short and long-term benefits. And I guess one thing maybe that I could ask you about is uh, if services are underutilized, some people will perceive that as, well, there's not much need. And that could be pretty vicious when you know that there's a need, but it's not either documented or the program can't meet the need, so it's unmet. So it's not there for them to quantify. They can't tick it off a list, but it's still there. You know what I mean? How about that gap? How does that work when you're trying to plan ahead, when you know people are there, but they're not all being served? Right. Yeah. And I think the biggest dilemma and challenge we're facing now as an early childhood field is ensuring that we can sustain our finances until we secure more funding because yeah. we do know parents need to work and they need to have quality child care services available. So it's kind of that catch-22, you know, making sure that early childhood programs have the funding and, the, you know, the resources they need so parents can actually go to work. 
Yeah. You know. Well, there's one other aspect of this that hasn't come up yet. I thought it might by now, and it's the parental role. It's the role of the parents at home in the everyday. And I know some programs interact with that more closely than others. But I know parents today, they may have two paycheck families. They're both working. They're maxed out. But I think parents sometimes are, are either not aware of the impact they have on kids' learning when they carve out the time. Because I guess what I'm getting to in a really long-winded way is they have enough research now to show that these early years are where the brain is developed. This is when junior is getting wired for life, like 80%, I understand, 75% mm -hmm. by age five. That's sobering. So that's when mom and dad are home the most. So what can parents do or how can they learn more about integrating this into what they do every day it's not changing what you do. Maybe it's more how you do it, right? right? Right. How does that work? Right. Well, we really work with families, especially around literacy, ah. reading to them at home, talking with them at home, just to increase the vocabulary in those critical sensitive periods from like zero to three, especially like you were saying. So, th you know, we try to stress that's very important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the services are provided... Uh, the, you know, the teachers are as needed, bilingual, yes. of course. Oh, in our uh, area. That needs yeah. to be said. Yeah. And um, with the openings we have right now, mm -hmm. um, it's a bit perplexing, you know, but we do know that the birth rate went down the last several years. So hence, there aren't as many infant toddlers as there were, say, five years ago at, yeah. at this period of time yeah. in the, their life cycle. But um, we have the openings, and then the enrollment uh, brings in the reimbursement and then gives us an opportunity mm -hmm. to hire additional staff. For instance, Dawn was just explaining with joy, hopefully, that um, we, uh, have, we, we may have found a new staff person for an infant and toddler class, right. which means we will immediately be able to bring four children in. Mm -hmm. A full infant and toddler class would right. be eight right. with two staff Correct. persons. Correct, one to four ratio. So, and there mm -hmm. must always be two staff. So even when we, were, we had the under-enrollment, have it, still do, and um, we still... We're not receiving the, the amount of financial assistance to cover everything. Um, we still have to have two adults, two teachers, or a teacher and assistant teacher in each class. Sure. Even if the class, instead of being uh, 16, um, it's, it's 12, we still need two people, yeah. uh, two staff members in there, even though we're not being fully paid as an entity. Yeah. Uh, f to operate that classroom. Yeah. So it's a challenge. Yeah, and it's like in the towns in our region too, some areas have to redefine their elementary schools because numbers are down and the buildings are older. They have this to consult or else middle schools. Those numbers shift around and it's always hard to predict, you know. But that's what you have to deal with is uh, what's the reality along the way, right? So I want to give the website one more time before we close out our segment because it's a good way to follow up. If uh, do, uh, Are there any meetings coming at all? Perhaps I should ask about any meetings this winter, anything coming up in the public sphere where people might learn or see anything? 
Um, we don't have anything planned. We ha okay. might have something in April we're working on for okay. a early childhood fair. Okay. So, yeah, we're working on that. And, of course, to uh, cut an um, edible ribbon <laughs> when we open up our, our, new, um, our, our new playground right. at the Valley Street facility. Do you have a date in mind when you could, uh, you know, have We're a thinking this spring when yeah, it gets a little bit warmer. Okay, yeah. got to be warm. Well, we'll have WRCC back in the future, and we'll look forward to that. That'll be a great time. It'll be so, fun. So thank you for your good work for being here oh, today. Oh, thank you. And we'll look forward to having you back again soon. Okay? Always a pleasure. John. Thank you so thank much. You. Okay. Okay, well, we're on the home front right now. Our second segment is with Terry Paquette from the Stomping Ground. Is he in the lobby right now waiting patiently? Okay, we're going to have one, court, one short message. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Good? Yeah. I spoke to Terry this morning just to make sure he knew. Okay. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. Did you get any pictures, Matt? No, I didn't. Oh, Do you did stay you live? You guys right now, you're off. Right. Well, actually, You're not another on. message is annoying. Right I have to get a picture no. of you guys, okay? I have to get a picture, Jeff. There you go. You can have a seat right there. Oh, okay. For the album. Right. In fact, we could. <laughs> in fact, we could do one with Jeff holding up the photo too. But we'll do it this way, okay? Is this good? Yep. Okay. Cool. All right. How did you know about my album coming out? <laughs> <laughs> the album. The album coming soon. You get, did this you, is information oh, for distribution. You. This is information. Did you get that? Did you open that Jeff Beck song I sent you? I haven't yet, but it's safe. Yeah, yeah. I know it's a big loss. Huge. Well, that song, you're gonna you're gonna go crazy. Okay, folks. Thank you. Okay, so we have nothing? No. Oh, wow. All righty. I'll tell you what I'll do, because we have guests coming from Wyndham Arts. I have two people coming. What I'll do is I have some news to share. Okay. I brought some along, and we'll have a song. Okay. And that'll buy me some time. Okay. Yeah, I even went out there, and I checked, and there's nobody out there. Okay, uh, number 11, Okay. Can you do 10 seconds or do you want some more time? I could do it now. Sorry. All right. I think the doorbell might have just rang. So let me go okay. put you back on. You got three, okay. two, whoops, hold on one sec. Ten seconds. Okay. Three, okay. two, one. Hey, we're back in the studio live on the home front this Wednesday. My name is John Murphy. Very happy to be here with you on WILI AM 1400 and FM 95.3. And I think the Pony Express just arrived. Terry Paquette, welcome aboard, man. Welcome Hello back there. to the studio. How are you today? Okay, we'll get Terry's mic on. We'll get this one turned off here. Terry is from the Stomping Ground. He's, he's one of our partners in this map that we're trying to kind of put together in the whole region for where you can enjoy live music. And Terry's been really doing a great job in Putnam for many years. Uh, since our last show, I've made contact with the Strange Brew Pub 
in Norwich. Oh yes, Jason. Right, Jason. They uh, he was not able to be here today. Wednesday night he manages an event down there. This is in Norwich, but he wants to come another time. We're also in touch with Chris uh, Chris Beaudry from the Side Door Jazz Club in Old Lyme, and Tom Buccino from the Packing House. So we're going to talk about the network and how it's doing, and then for the last part of the show we're going to focus on people from Ashford Arts. So, Terry, thanks for coming down from uh, your end of the quiet corner, man. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. So before we get into some of the other aspects you do in terms of food and entertainment, how is the schedule going with with the audience and bands, and how active is the circuit these days when people are still kind of getting back to normal after COVID? How are things emerging for you? Well, initially, uh, after things started to get back rolling again, maybe three or four months ago, I thought there might be a... A dip. We started bringing a lot of regular acts that we'd had, but um, what I've seen recently is a pretty large influx of people diving back in and touring again. A lot of individual uh, folk acts or or solo acts, just because it's more cost effective. I think. Yeah, yeah, for them too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. For them is what I'm saying. Is it's it's more cost effective for the solo artist to tour uh, than it is for the full band. They just monetarily wise, but. I've got a lot of really, I've got a good schedule coming up. Uh, things have been looking really great. So, I'm just wondering, too, you know, uh, I think one of the things that makes Terry's job good for him that he enjoys is the idea of creating a circuit where musicians can move around. So I have a gig here in Putnam, but for the musicians to really do well, they need a circuit, right? Mm-hmm. And I think my question to you in a long-winded way is, when you talk to bands or other promoters, do they ever think about a more formal arrangement of booking and advanced promotion to be more efficient, like an agency might be, but not an agency? You know what I mean? I'm not sure what you mean by that. I, I um, We get booked on tours often. Yeah. We're, we're, we're part of, a, of a many tours. In fact, I just had Luke Hendrickson come out from Missouri last week on a Tuesday night, and that was part of a larger tour that he had going on. Um, we are great for musicians who are looking for a midweek spot, uh, something, say, between Boston and New York, or, or you know, if they're on their way to Providence or if they're on their way to Northampton. Right. Um, we fill in that gap in between cities, which is really Kind of like Shabu used to do way back. Shabu was a huge influence yeah. for me. That was a yeah. – they, they inspired me quite a bit, yes. Shabu University. Always open, twenty four seven. Always yeah. open, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I I think there is a bigger, a larger circuit that's it's undefined, but it's out there where musicians are going spot to spot and they get regular spots. I have a a couple that go by the name Waddle and Dob. They're from Wisconsin, and every year wow. um, they play south by southwest but they do it in this big roundabout way and they come all the way up to the east coast and then they head back out to texas and they always end up in austin they end up in austin yes and they they always play probably right around the 25th to the 27th of july they play at the stomping ground every year yeah it's a regular regular event yeah and how about the sense of uh people coming out to support live music more and more i want to talk about the fact that you know you combine food and music together, yes. which support each other. Some places mm-hmm. don't quite have it that well integrated, you know, but you do. But what's the response been from the public coming out? It's been fantastic, honestly. January is usually 
a month where many local places shut down for a week or two to paint or construction or things like that. I always hang in there and kind of ride the wave and see what happens. This year, the weekdays have been quiet, but weeknights and the weekends have been exceedingly busy. I've been very, very surprised at the turnout. So it's the support is there. People are eager to get out. They're, they're tired of staying in their houses. Now, one thing I want to mention that's really cool about websites, by the way, the website is www.the-stomping-ground.com, okay? And you go to the website, it's got information about food and all the things they have. But what I printed out that's really cool to plan is a monthly calendar. Yes, and that's my booking calendar. So if you're a right. musician looking for a gig, there if you, you see an empty slot on that calendar, ask me because it's open. It works both ways. Yes, it's great. So it's like, a really great, great tool. There you go. See, I, and I can't do the super Zoom right now. I might make myself <laughs> sick. But go to the website, okay, the-stomping-ground.com, uh, and you can track it. Uh, <clears throat> here's one more thing because... There's so many different kinds of music out there today. Mm -hmm. These kind of labels get blurred. Yes. But are there particular genres that you notice generate more interest than others and in terms of that without generalizing? Just wonder. That's hard. Yeah. It really comes down to the talent and the, uh, I'm not sure what the word is, the liveliness of the band. Uh, we had a fellow last Saturday night, goes, his name is Lee Ross, He's a one-man band, keyboards, saxophone. He does a, he has a looping station, and he had the place hopping until about one in the morning. I mean, he was he did an excellent job. Uh, Thursday night, I expect a pretty good turnout. Uh, we have Ryan Lee Crosby, who is a, a Delta blues musician. He's bringing a, a four-piece group, and they get a great turnout every single time they show up. Um, so it really, I don't know. It goes artist by artist. It's it's almost hard to predict sometimes. Yeah. Now, you know, connecting this to the uh, craft beer economy, which is also exploding across the state. Sometimes they say there's almost too many that they all can't make it. But I, but I just wonder now, in that space where you're mixing food and music and good quality beers, what's the economy like with so many of these micros? How do they survive when you only have so much space, right? Uh, I only have so much space. Exactly. There are many other venues who have a much larger tap selection. I only have 10 right now. My intention is to expand to 20 when I can yeah. manage to do so. Right. But there are places that have 40. I mean, I, I believe Willie Brew, uh, Willimantic Brew Pub has 40. Oh, yeah. Um, the great thing that I seem to notice with craft breweries is they collaborate. They work together instead of against each other, and that helps them survive. So they get together, and they brew together, and then they put both of their names on the on the same batch of beer, um, and it gives them recognition. It's They play nice. It's unlike the larger oh. breweries who tend to try to buy the, – the corporate breweries that try to buy each other out. These guys yeah. work together instead. Yeah, you, you just buy the competition. Right, right. right. They and don't they, do that. They play well yeah. with each other. Yeah. So – do you find it work on the bar side? Because you're not just kind of a bar with 50 taps. You're a venue. Yes. That's different. I I enjoy it. So I, yeah. I curate the beer list. I curate the bands. It's yeah. it's um, it's a pleasure to me. So to, when I can bring in a new brewery that we've never had before, that's exciting. And it's just like a new band. You know, the weeks that I have a, a, a schedule with all bands that have never played at the stomping ground, that's a home run to me. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was on the website, I saw one more thing I thought that was really cool, is they have a music blog, 
on the website. It's up in the corner. And it's going to grow, but it's there. And it's a way to connect to the bands that are playing. Uh, can you talk about how that little technology thing can really help bands? Because they need to track this stuff. It brings attention to themselves. Um I don't know. That's, a, that's actually a feature that we're developing. We're working I on that it. right now. Yeah, yeah. And it, it really, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, as you said earlier, with genres that blend together and they blur, and it's really hard to describe music sometimes. Yeah. It's great to give a band a voice, and, and they can describe themselves, or somebody can go and, you know, obviously, like, reviews and whatnot, but somebody can go and see them and then write, yeah. the, you know, describe what they experienced. Uh, it's just another way of sharing what's yeah. going on there. I've had some artists uh, up at the WECS show at Eastern. They talk about they use a local gig, and they may press a certain number of CDs, and they may sell some of those. But what they're really doing is sending people to their website mm -hmm. so they can follow them later for other events and maybe buy the CDs there yes. if they didn't want to buy them on the spot, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's another way to bring in revenue besides whatever the venue might provide that night, right? Merchandise is a big deal, yeah. And yeah. Uh, we see... Yeah, tell me about uh, that. I, I, I actually love it when uh, artists bring in records, vinyl. We, we see quite a bit of vinyl. That's definitely had a resurgence. Um, but, you know, often they just have a, a, a link to where it's somewhere they can stream the music. You know, it's just an opportunity for people to experience more of their art. And I think that's, that's a great, great thing. And it does bring in more revenue, which is huge for the bands it's yeah. very expensive to tour and you know support the the life of music now as a venue you're on the side where the fans meet the artists and you have some music together mm -hmm. how do the labels get in this mix for these bands do you have a sense that bands are on their own today more than ever or do you notice some of them might have somebody representing them and they introduce you, you know? I that have, used um, to be a path. Yes, I have a mix of those of that. I have yeah. I have booking agents that reach out to me um, that represent, you know, anywhere from a half dozen to two dozen artists, depending on how large the agency is. Right. Um, I don't get ever, I never get reached, I, I never get contacted by a label per se, but I do have musicians that come and play that are on labels they're clearly more established their merchandise is more professional you see that sort of thing yeah but i've got some hard working bands that self-represent that do incredible things um and some of them are actually really well known i have vic ruggiero who is the lead singer and the keyboard player from the slackers oh yeah uh out of new york the slackers are completely self uh produce self-represented they re release all their own albums they do all their own tours vic contacts me via text and asks, asks me if i have any uh dates available for a show and he'll come and play a solo show just because yeah. he wants to it kind of goes back to the old 80s diy kind of thing it does thing, right? i like that i, I see uh, a, i think I there's a lot of talk about I hear a lot of people say that the music industry is dead or that c current music is, is dying off or I, I don't know. I, I think it's nonsense. I think they're listening to the wrong things. I think that the underground music movement, movement is huge and it's it's people making music. Them. So the computers have made it so simple to record on your own in your house and make a quality album that yeah. people are just doing it themselves. Yeah. That's such a huge thing that young people today don't know that the technology never used to be accessible. You'd have to go and get let in the room by somebody because you can never afford it on your own. Mm -hmm. You can never produce 
now it doesn't mean the quality is always excellent, but the fact that you can work it out on your own is just revolutionary. It's phenomenal. It really is great, yeah. especially yeah. for folks who don't know the proper path to take to get noticed. They just do it themselves. Yeah. So that's why we have Terry here today, Terry Paquette, because he's part of that map that we're talking about in our region. So it's our own little network of venues so that at different times of the day or month, you might like different kinds of shows. Uh, and the websites are wonderful ways to stay in touch. So we're going to try to get the, the folks uh, from the uh, uh, Strange Brew Pub in Norwich. And also one that I haven't talked to yet for a while is the Hungry Tiger. Oh, the fellows in, in Manchester. Yep, they're a short drive from here, too. All these venues are all within a short drive, which is nice, actually, in our quiet corner. Uh, so one last thing while we have you. We're taping this now in uh, January. As you look to the winter and spring, are there any highlights or things you have in the club, any changes? You had talked about some renovations one day. Uh, was there any other news to share? Uh, the kitchen renovations are coming very shortly. That's going to oh. be a great thing. Yeah. Uh, that's That'll help us serve our customers better um music wise we just received the equipment and haven't installed it yet but we received a new uh mixer and um a new a bunch of new equipment basically for the sound equipment right. to step it up another notch nice. uh, which is great um that's gonna that's gonna help reduce some clutter on stage and make it easier for the musicians and i've had quite a few great acts reach out to me uh, for shows, something that's not in the spring. It's actually just coming up next month. Uh, the Fire and Ice Festival in Putnam oh, is happening on Fev February 11th, and that's an enormous event yeah. that'll start at 10 in the morning and run until officially. I think the event ends at 8 o'clock, but there will be people in town until oh, midnight. Yeah. That's huge. Um, we have uh, the Island Farm Kaylee Band, which is a traditional Irish acoustic band, playing during the day at 1 o'clock, and then we have Mean Black Spider playing at 8 o'clock. Mean Black Spider, the guitarist, is Jeremy Lyons who is the guitarist and vocalist for Vapors of Morphine, which is the latest iteration of Morphine, the band from the 90s with Mark Sandman and Dana uh I'm going to get his name wrong, Dana Colley on sax. Um, you so might have played that stuff on WHUS. I did indeed play that there stuff on go. HUS, See? and I saw Morphine in like 1994 at Lupo's in Providence. So Lupo's. to have them, have any of them at the stomping ground is a pretty yeah. big deal to me. Was your heart broken at Lupo's? No, I don't think my heart was broken you know. at Lupo's. I saw a lot of great music, and it greatly influenced me. Yeah, Lupo's Heartbreak Hotel, that's what yes. I'm saying. A terrible <laughs> joke. I apologize. No, I get it. I got it. Yeah. So, so it's like some of the restaurant part of it for food will give you more capacity for that. Um, and they're going to have more room for more people to attend? What it's going to do is it's going to – I have plans for more seating in the future, yeah. and this is preparation for that to be able to serve those people when we do have the seats. Great. Um, it's a, it's the sort of thing you take baby steps. Sure. Well, I've been talking with you along this along the way when things that are happening now were still just baby steps, and here they are. That's right. So thank you for coming down, Terry Paquette. Thank you for having uh, me. The owner-manager at the Stomping Ground. I wish you a great season ahead. I'm looking forward to having you back in the spring with an update. I look forward to seeing you, John. Thank All you. Right, take care. Be well. All right, speaking of music, we're going to have a very short tune from one of my favorites, Mose Allison, a very short ditty, and we'll come back with people from Ashford Arts. Don't go away. Hey, we're back. I'm over here in the corner. The room is full. I'm so happy to have an extra ha a large house today. On the home front has a segment today looking at Ashford Arts. We have Dub Gag next to me. We have Dan Perno. Merlot. Dan Merlot, pardon me. And also with? Joanne Mann. 
Okay, a couple of things are going to talk about their January-February events. They're also involved with the poetry event, a series of poetry workshops. And something, if you're a woodturner, there's a special event coming up just a short time away. And we'll talk about that today. But perhaps, Deb, is there any overall news for Ashford Arts? Uh, I understand you're trying a new development and you may be changing the name. Is that true? Well, that you possible? know, we have members from outside of Ashford. Yeah. So we have members in Middletown, Branford, Mystic, Essex, um, you know, Coventry, Eastford, you know, all over the place, Willington, Mansfield, Tallinn. So uh, we are thinking of changing our name to either Ashford Area Arts or Area Arts or, you know, something right. to that effect. But uh, our website is still Ashford Arts Council. Um, dot com. No, it's ashfordarts.com is our website. Dot org, right? Yes, ashfordarts.org. I'm sorry. That's okay. I went through this afternoon to, to get yes, your calendar. Yes, thank you. But that's a great way to follow up all year on all these events, right? Right, as well as our uh, Ashford Arts Council Facebook page. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, are there any changes coming up in terms of as you get into winter and spring? Are there any larger shows in the works or... Are there any yeah. drives for new members or board members or operational things? Uh, yes, we are going to go through some changes um, mm -hmm. in the uh, board membership, um, but we're going to basically stay kind of the same um, for the rest of 2023, even though we might do some leadership shifts. Um, but we will have our um, summer's palette at Westford Hills Distillers in June, mm -hmm. June 24th. Um, that's amazing, beautiful event uh, out at uh, Margie and Lou Chady's uh, distillery out there in, in beautiful Ashford. Uh, that's June 24th, rain date 25th. Yeah. Um, and then we also are going to have an Ashford Arts Council member show at the Vanilla Bean Cafe for the month of June. That's a great spot. It's a great yeah, spot. We had location. a show there last October and several members sold pieces there. And then the um, annual Holiday Artist Market, another beautiful show um, out in Ashford at Knowlton Memorial Hall in the Babcock Library, uh, the third weekend of November. Okay, a little bit farther down the road. No need to rush that one right now. That's right. <laughs> but these things you plan for months ahead of time. We have to, yeah. Yeah. Now, now we have an event here coming up uh, on February 4th. And I'm going to let you take over and talk about the art of how you turn a hunk of wood into this instrument. <laughs> so hold the pen closer to the microphone so people... Uh, <laughs> I, actually, I'm sorry. It's a very <laughs> bad joke. Just no. see if Mac again. I know my bad jokes are terrible. I know it's all part of the agreement, but they're beautiful. So we are going to be hosting yeah. a pen turning event. Uh, Central Connecticut Wood Turners, a club that we're involved in, Joanna and I are involved in. Um, you can go to ccwoodturners.org to find out more about that. Um, but our club sponsors these pen turning events, and it's free to the public. Anybody who shows up, we provide the lathes. We provide the uh, wood blanks that this will be a pen um, and we guide you through turning your own pen and then here's an example of, the of a finished the pen and then you know this is the pen kit it, the, the pen has a nice weight though yes. yes it has a nice weight to it so you get to come as uh, free of charge you pick out the the pen blanks that you like the colors that you like whatever wood you want to work with and we Put you on a lathe and we guide you and you walk away with a with a finished pen that you can use for yourself 
Well, two questions for you. Simple things, very obvious, I'm sure. Uh, how long does it take to turn those blocks into that smooth, beautiful piece of work? And is there certain wood that is best for this kind of use? Well, definitely a hardwood is best. Right. Uh, not softwood like pine or anything like that. Right. Um, we use a lot of maple, uh, cherry, black walnut, mm -hmm. things like mm -hmm. that. Um, and it would take the average person walking in that's never turned a pen with our guidance, I would say about probably 15 minutes around there. Wow. Some turn them a little faster, mm -hmm. some turn them a little slower. Mm -hmm. Something you want to say? No, we haven't <laughs> talked about the location. Right. Yeah. Indeed. And the time. So do you want me to talk about that? Sure. Sure. Okay, so uh, the event takes place on February 4th, um, and it's an ongoing wood turning event from 10 to 2. That's right. It's going to take place at Knowlton Memorial Hall in, in the Babcock Library um, in Ashford. The address is 25 Pompey Hollow Road. Um, and anyone and everyone are invited free of charge. The That's great. The club supplies all materials. Um, and what they'll do is uh, they can have four people working at once, I think you explained. So let's say there's eight people. So, the, you know, the first four people who come would be in the first group and then sure. four through eight would be in the second group so yeah. th it's a it's a flexible schedule so people could just show up and they'll have a clipboard for signing up. right mm -hmm. you gave a nice four-hour window of time yes. to stretch it out that day and uh, also I wondered in terms of the art for you folks throughout the year what's the economy like now for independent artists I always try to get a picture because we have so many people working individually in the area. They might be in a guild or a council. They may come together for a show once in a while, but they really are on their own most of the time. Mm -hmm. And that's always hard to get those stories. So how does that work for you in terms of working shows or galleries or out of your home studio, those kind of things? Well, for us, we do shows. Um, we do do two events at our place um, in Eastford, um, 198 Ashford Road. We do one with the... Um, mm -hmm. Artist Open Studio, which is Thanksgiving weekend and the right. following weekend. And then we also do one on our own on Memorial Day weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Um, and we, we kind of do that on our own. Mm -hmm. We just rerun some ads, and we do pretty well with that. Mm -hmm. And then other than those two events that we do at our place, we do shows, uh, art festivals, mm -hmm. um, Glastonbury, um, Situate Art Festival, He'll be at the uh, Summer's Palette event mm -hmm. at Westfield. Absolutely, Hills, yes. Stillers. He makes beautiful bowls. I haven't seen Joanne's work, but uh, why don't you talk about how you work with resins? And Yeah, I do a lot of hybrid work with uh, wood with resin uh, combined with it. Um, Joanne does some with the pens. I do a lot of that with, with uh, bowls, uh, salt and pepper mills. Could you explain, is resin just a coating on the outside? Is mm -hmm. it part of the inside? So basically, it's wood that has voids and things in it, and that yep. you probably wouldn't be able to use on its own a lot of times. And I would cast it with a resin, and then I would turn that, and then you end up with wood. And I color the resins whatever color I feel is going to fit with that wood. Right. And then uh, and then turn it out. It's it's a lot of work, but oh, yeah. they are stunning pieces. Right. Right. Absolutely. I think. Have you had some uh, some of those online somewhere? Um, well, I have a Facebook earth? page. I don't really yeah. have a website. Yeah. And my Facebook page is Rescued Wood. Yeah. And uh, there's a picture of a bowl uh, when you search for Rescued Wood. Yeah. 
So I have a lot of videos out there of me doing that process and start to finish. Um, and I've been told that the videos are pretty pretty good. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but the reason why, you know, like I'm asking Dan is, as an artist, this is part of your business side that yes. now you can own more of your own to do it as opposed to having to rely on the third party. Right. And that could be an economic savings. You can decide how fast or how often, these kind of things, right? Yeah. But the tools are there. How does this work with some of the art that you do, Deb, and right. the things so you I'm, do? Right, so I'm a painter. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I find that um, we have to promote our own work you sure. know, in between these shows, and I find that Instagram and Facebook are a great way to do that. I've gotten commissions that way. I've, I've sold paintings that way. I recently sold a painting in two days after I posted on Facebook, and one before that took about a week to sell. Congratulations. So, th thank you. Yeah, so uh, people are buying art. Um, I think that in the world we live now where there's so many plastics and where the quality of craftsmanship is lacking in so many newly manufactured things, I think yeah. there's a little bit of a renaissance of people wanting to see the, the hand and and things that they're buying um, with fine crafts and, and with art. Well, they always talk about it. It sounds like a hokey phrase, but it is really more personal because, you know, it came out of someone's hand. And that's something that's part of the marketplace. And that's the way that we can keep our money local, which is something that I talk about whenever I can, is this stuff, you know, you might order it online through a website, but the money's staying here in Connecticut because the artist is here in town somewhere. The web is a nice way to connect, but it doesn't mean your money is going to out of state. And that's a real dilemma for keeping money local. Do you hear artists struggling with that, too, in terms of who's coming in and how it's moving? Um, I mean, there's also, obviously, it's convenient to shop online. Um, but, but For we, certain things, I For mean. certain things, right. But, yeah, yeah I, I agree that people definitely like to... Have something that's handcrafted yeah. and it's generally a better quality of what they're going to get sure. online absolutely sure and the rescued wood uh, piece is that sometimes we do um, take somebody's tree that had fallen and he'll make a bowl out of it and so that stays in the family if their sure. grandfather planted that tree oh, that's cool. they're never going to be able yeah. to find that we online do get, uh, quite a bit of that yeah Wow, that's almost Hollywood. That's yeah. really, mm -hmm. that's beautiful stuff. It's a stuff. good story, yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, we have a few minutes to go, but there's one more thing that we want to get to before we have to go, and that has to do with poetry. There's a whole series coming up. So mm -hmm. what that's coming up in February. Uh, well, let me talk about this. So um, the Ashford Arts Council um, instituted an Ashford po Poet Laureate program, and our first recipient is uh, Anthony Paticcio. He's Ashford's Poet Laureate, hmm. and this is his second series where he's hosting, um, he calls it Winter 2023 Poetry Reading and Writing Workshop via Zoom, uh, Wednesday evenings, 6.30 to 8.30. Right. Uh, that's beginning January 25th. Right. Um, and then it goes, uh, that's one date, and then there's two dates in February, March, and then one date in April. And, yeah. Um, so let me tell you, you can count contact Tony Paticcio to uh, sign up for this workshop. People have loved it. This is the second or third round that he's done. Mm -hmm. uh, his email address is 04AJPATI at gmail.com. 
Yeah, we need a bigger budget to get one of those graphic things to give that on the screen for you right now. We're working on the budget for this. But anyway, these are great events. And the, uh, the February dates are the 8th and the 22nd, because I was on the website today. Yes, and you can actually go to the Ashford Arts Council Facebook page to see about this event, and the contact information is there, and also see about uh, Joanne and, and Dan's pen turning event. Yeah. And others. So it's great. You know, one thing that we do throughout the year is we have kind of updates from the regional arts groups, like the Willimantic Regional Arts Council, Coventry Art Guild. Now this is from the Ashford Arts Council. So I want to thank very much our guests today, uh, Joanne, uh, Deb, and Dan. I wish you a great season thank ahead. You. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. We'll look thank forward to having you folks back in the spring. I wish you a good event again. That's coming up uh, on February 4th from 10 to 2. And we're out for this week. We'll see you next time here for the next edition. Take care.